did not design us for death. When God created us, death was not part of God's equation. And that's why people passing is such a challenging thing for all of us, because God didn't design us to be able to grieve the loss of somebody. And that is why, beyond a shadow of a doubt, our hope is in Jesus, who said, though you may die, yet you will live again. Did you ever think of that? God did not design us for death. What a thought. Today, Pastor Daniel teaches us that death was not part of God's original creation. That's why Jesus' work on earth is so amazing and wonderful. He restores us to our originally designed state. Even though our bodies fail us, Jesus restores us. Death then has no sting to those who believe in Jesus. Let's rejoice that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Genesis chapter 37 as he continues his message called Joseph. Now I bring this up because this is one of the universal differences between men and women. Men keep things in their mind and women keep things in their hearts. Now why do I bring that out? Because in 12 years of being a senior pastor, what I have learned is that most women want their husbands to be coming more from their hearts, more feelings and emotionally based. And most men want their wives just to think before they feel. But really what it shows is that in a lot of ways, God has wired men and women differently for a reason. But what God wants to do in each one of our hearts is for women he doesn't want your emotions to run the show. He wants you to take those thoughts captive if they're not of Christ. He wants to move women, in a sense, from being ruled by their heart emotions. And instead of just reacting on emotion, they need to preach to themselves the gospel, which hems them in. And in the same way, you guys, God wants you to get out of your noggin, and he wants you to start to feel again. God wants you to get choked up when your wife walks in the room. He wants you to gush on her a little bit. And sure, it feels weird. And it's much easier to memorize, you know, box scores of your favorite sport. But God's in the process of transforming men and women from the ways that our characters are fallen into the image of Christ. But it's so fascinating to me that it says, Jacob thought about these things. He was processing it. But the other reason I bring that up is because for you, husbands and wives, future wives, future husbands, give each other grace. You husbands, when you find your wife is just being really emotional, just remember, you know, Mary kept those things in her heart and love her right where she is. And in the same way, you ladies, when you find your husband's just too cerebral, he's too rational, I just want him to tell me he loves me and gives me a kiss. When he does that, Love him right where he is and pray for him because God's in the process of doing a work. And I believe that God wants both men and women to come into the middle. God wants us men to come more from our hearts than just our brains. 
He wants us to love and nurture our wives in an emotional way. And God wants our sisters to, when their emotions get flared up for very justifiable reasons, as you understand it, That was a lot of qualifications to get there. I say all this to say that God is doing a work. God is doing a work. In verse 12, as we continue, then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And he said to him, here I am. And he said to him, please go, in verse 14, and see if it is well with your brothers. And well with the flocks and bring back word to me. So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron and he went to Shechem. Now a certain man found him and there he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him saying, what are you seeking? He said, I am seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. And the man said, they have departed from here for I have heard them say, let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. So now notice, all of his brothers are out tending to Jacob's flock, but not Joseph. Joseph was 17 when he had the dreams. So in a lot of ways, Joseph is being, how shall we say it? He's being pampered. His brothers are out working, and Joseph is staying home. And his dad's like, Joseph, do you want to go see your brothers? They're out there working hard. And Joseph's like, yeah, let's let's go do that. He goes on out to find them. Notice, Joseph is seeking his brethren. Jesus said, I did not, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. So you have Joseph seeking after his brothers. That's exactly what Jesus is doing. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus, that's exactly, he came to find you. Can you not put your faith and trust in Jesus? The fact that you're even listening to this right now is because Jesus is looking for you. Abraham Heschel, in his philosophy of Judaism, had a book called God in Search of Man. And what's amazing is Rabbi Heschel didn't even know the half of it because God took on flesh in the person of his son, Jesus. Literally came to the earth in search of man. Wow. But that's the picture we have here. Joseph finds out there in Dothan, and he heads on out there. Now in verse 18... Now, when they saw him afar off, even before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. And then they said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say, some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands. And he said, let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood, but cast him into this pit which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him, that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. So Joseph is coming from afar off. They see him coming, and they're thinking to himself, man, let's kill this guy. They're conspiring to kill him. Now, I bring that up for this reason. I'm really big on applying scripture. Rather than just studying it in its local context in the story, let's bring it to us. What are you conspiring about? See, if we're really honest, a lot of us are really good at conspiring. We have a plan and we're trying to orchestrate. I always say that if we're going to scheme, let us scheme righteously. If we're going to spend our time scheming, let's scheme for things for God's glory. 
I'm sure there's some people in here, you're scheming for some unrighteous stuff. You're working an angle, trying to set things up, trying to set somebody up, trying to attain to something that's going to harm somebody. We have to be careful that we are not conspiring to do harm. No judgment. Jesus died for that in your life. But repent of it. Tell somebody, say, hey, look, I just realized I am scheming right now. Because if we're really honest, I mean, our hearts are so treacherous and there's so much garbage in there. I wish I could say that God's people just get it together. Even I have it all together. But there are just times when you just look at your life and you're like, what am I doing? And you find yourself toying with something, trying to, how do I work this thing out? These guys are conspiring to kill Joseph. And it'd be so easy to say, oh, these guys are so bad. Noticing their speck, not even noticing our planks. So let it be a a call from the Spirit. Lay down your plotting, your planning, your conspiring, unless it's a righteous plan, a plan for God's glory, the betterment of humanity in Jesus' name. Lay those other schemes at the foot of the cross and receive God's forgiveness as we repent for them. But they have a plan. They're going to take this guy down. They're like, man, let's just throw this guy into some pit. We'll tell our dad, hey, some wild beast got him. And then Reuben steps in, and Reuben hears about it, and he wants to deliver. He says, oh, let's, man, let's not kill him. I mean, good on you, Reuben. Sometimes when people are plotting evil, someone's got to say something. You know, thank God for Reuben that he just stepped on up. He said, you know what? Let's, no, 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 let's not kill him. But, you know, he's even scheming. Like, wouldn't it have been better for Reuben to say, you know, guys, we're talking about killing a person who happens to be our brother. And sure, Joseph is favored. Sure, Joseph says dumb things. But you know what? Killing's just plain wrong. Like, Reuben goes halfway. Like, let's just cast him into this pit because Reuben's like, I'll get him out later. Would to God that the people of God would speak the truth in love. What evil flourishes when good people, what? Do nothing. And sometimes we just need to be able to say, look, what's going on is wrong. We need to stop this. What is going on is wrong. Killing is wrong. Hating is wrong. The prophet Isaiah said, wrong is it to call evil good and good evil. We have the truth of the heart of God in his word. We get to study it. And would to God that as his sons and daughters, we would say, you know what? This is wrong. But we would do it in a way that's loving, not in a way that's judgmental, but in a way that is expressing the heart of God. I think of Proverbs chapter 1, verse 10. It says, it's my son, if sinners entice you, Do not consent. And then in verse 11, if they say, come with us, let us lie in wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without a cause. Do not consent. If others around you, others who are friends with you, if they are going to do evil, do not join them. God has made us responsible for our own lives. My father used to tell me, and I grew up in New Jersey, and my family came out of Brooklyn. If all your friends go to jump off the Brooklyn Bridge, don't do it. 
It's a very culturally specific reference. But listen, just because people you know, people you love, people who you want to impress are doing dumb things, you don't have to follow them. You can be different rather than just being another part of the crowd. God has always called his kids to a peculiar path. But so many of us are afraid to take that path. So in verse 23, so it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. Then they took him and cast him into a pit and the pit was empty and there was no water in it. And they sat down to eat a meal. That's a rough statement, isn't it? It shows how callous they were to him. But again, rather than just reading it and thinking these guys are horrible, how many times have we said something horrible and just sat down to watch the TV? Right? You, something goes on, you get into it with somebody, and then you're like, oh, man, we'll just, let's just eat a sandwich. Like it didn't even happen. Mmm, I love my pastrami on a rye. Mmm. So rather than just like knock these guys, we all do this, don't we? On some level, where we do something, we're mad, we're angry, and then we just do something totally trivial just to show the hardness of our hearts. Just the hardness of our hearts. They throw him into a pit, he's got no water, and they're like, let's eat. In the middle of verse 25, then they lifted their eyes and looked, and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels, bearing spices, balm, and myrrh, on their way to carry them down to Egypt. So Judah said to his brothers, what profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brothers listened. Then Midianite traders passed by. So the brothers pulled Joseph up, lifted him out of the pit, and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. So they're eating. They notice these Ishmaelites. Notice it says going down to Egypt. Point of biblical information. You always go down to Egypt. You always go up to Jerusalem. Why? Because Egypt is a type of the world. And as we become worldly, we always are going down to it. Another geographical thing, you know, the Jersey Shore. Everyone's just like, huh? I grew up in New Jersey, and guess what? You always go down to the shore. But it's the same kind of a thing. You always go down to the shore. You always go down to Egypt. And it's interesting, you always go, if you read in the Bible, it never says, I go down to Jerusalem. I always go up. Because Jerusalem was where God chose to dwell, in the temple. Those pictures, the directions of going up or down, that's important. But these Ishmaelite traders are coming. They're going down to Egypt to sell things. And then Judah pipes in. What profit is if we kill our brother? I mean, he is our brother. So you think of, hey, someone's got it together, so let's sell them to the Ishmaelites. You can't even make this stuff up. <laughs> but notice, they sold Joseph for 20 shekels of silver. That was the price of a slave. And we know that Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver. That was the price for the Son of God. A little gold. We read that, 
But we got to ask ourselves, what is the profit of man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? I'm amazed at what I'm willing to give up for the presence of God. A drink, some time on the internet, some trashy show, little chit-chat over a water cooler or on an IM. I mean, when you really think about it, it's so illogical, really. They gave their brother for some silver. But how many people in America where our overarching idol is materialism are giving up the life that God has called them to just for a new car that's going to get old? Just for a bigger house that's going to rust? When people are dying. Now, I'm not saying we should have a car and a house. Don't miss apply what I'm saying. But there's so many people who want to be used by God, but they're working like crazy just to get more stuff, things that they don't need. See, they sold their brother for 20 pieces of silver. Some of us are mailing in our lives for that little. We're mailing in the people that God called us to be for less than that. And we have to ask ourselves, is it really worth it? And if God's convicting your heart about this, just turn from it. Grab a brother, grab a sister, say, can we talk about this? Because that's me. I'm giving up the life that God has called me to for a boyfriend, a girlfriend, uh, this, uh, that, whatever it is. Fill in the blank. We're all different. We all have some, something to fill in that blank with. God, I want all that you are. I want my life to be all that you have designed it to be. 20 pieces of silver they got for their brother Joseph. And in verse 28, they passed by, they pulled Joseph up, they sold him for 20 shekels of silver, and they took Joseph to Egypt. Now in verse 29, then Reuben returned to the pit, and indeed Joseph was not in the pit, and he tore his clothes, and he returned to his brothers and said, the lad is no more, and I, where shall I go? So they took Joseph's tunic, killed the kid of the goats, and dipped the tunic in the blood. Then they sent the tunic of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, we have found this. Do you know whether it is your son's tunic or not? He recognized it and said, it is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his waist, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, for I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Now the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and a captain of the guard. So we see what goes on. Reuben obviously wasn't there. He didn't know what happened. He went to the pit. Joseph's not there. He's freaked out. Obviously, his brothers told him what happened, and they began to cover it up. They took the tunic, they ripped it, they killed one of the herd, they dipped the thing in blood, and they figured we're going to bring this back to their dad and say, hey, we found this, and Jacob took the bait. But it's interesting, each time they're tearing their robes, Reuben tears his robes, and so does Jacob, and that was a sign in that culture of complete and total disgust, like, this is so bad that I am undone. I am undone. When they asked Jesus if he was the Messiah at his mock trial, and Jesus said, it is as you say, the high priest tore his robe. Tore his robe. 
And that's exactly what happens here. See, Jacob is broken when he finds out about his son. He's mourning. He puts on sackcloth and ashes. That was an Old Testament sign of humiliation. Putting on sackcloth was completely uncomfortable. And they sat in ashes. They sat in the dirt. It was a sign of, I am completely humiliated, heartbroken. That's what it was about. And really what he says here, he says, I'm going to mourn the rest of my life. That's what he says. I'm going to go down to my grave in mourning. He's so hurt by what has gone on. What's interesting is that for Jacob and for all of us, God did not design us for death. When God created us, death was not part of God's equation. And that's why people passing is such a challenging thing for all of us, because God didn't design us to be able to grieve the loss of somebody. And that is why, beyond a shadow of a doubt, our hope is in Jesus, who said, though you may die, yet you will live again. We live in a world of death, of brokenness, of unrighteousness. But Jesus absolutely changes everything. Because as we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we see unrighteousness, and we see God's hand at work within it. We're going to find Joseph by the time Genesis 50, verse 20 happens. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. We see in a world of death, life and hope springing up all over the place because we know that God is at work. We know that God is at work. And this chapter ends with the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and a captain of the guard. And so we see at the end of this, now Joseph ends up in Potiphar's house, which in two chapters, we're going to see this play start playing out again. But don't miss it. In Jacob's heart, Joseph was dead, but he's going to see his son again. Remember I told you Joseph is a type of Jesus. There were people, they thought when they crucified Jesus that it was over, done, finished. Three days later, there was an empty tomb. And there's coming a day when Jesus returns on the clouds of glory that all men, and women will know that Jesus has always been alive. And on that day, for those who have put their faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus, there will be great joy. And if you have not done that, please trust in him who defeated death and who defeated sin. Jesus is What a marvelous teaching from Pastor Daniel today. Not only did we hear about how Joseph foreshadowed Jesus, but we were challenged to consider what our sin costs us. Are we giving up God's eternal call on our lives for mere momentary pleasure? Pastor Daniel also proclaimed that God did not design us for death. Praise God that Jesus restores us to God's original design. Let's bow down and worship our Savior and restore Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here, lead pastor of Crossroads Community Church in Vancouver, Washington. We would love to connect with you in person. We have services on Sundays 
at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. If you are not able to join us in person, connect with us online at live.crossroadschurch.net or find us on Facebook at Go, the number two, and Crossroads. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel will teach us from the lives of Judah and his family. Pastor Daniel notes that many times we end up in trouble when we pull away from the fellowship of God's family. We'll hear Pastor Daniel declare that sin is offensive in God's eyes. God is a just God and has the authority to remove injustice from this earth by any means he likes. May God's justice be found on earth today. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through his series called Brothers. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.